<laughs> on um, a um, on a lighter note, I once had a conversation about this kind of stuff with an ex-cop, and he was talking about how there are two different main brands of handcuffs, and for a long time, the keys to the different brands of handcuffs were different. Nowadays, because of this problem, they're the same, but they used to be different. And so people would buy these handcuffs, I'm talking real handcuffs, for kinky scenes or whatever. And then throughout life complications, movings, divorces, all those different things, they'd get their keys mixed up. And according to this ex-cop, he would show up on tons of different co- like calls to people being locked in handcuffs that they didn't have the right key to get out of and just kinky scenes so that was totally off topic no, but no. when you mentioned cops showing yeah. up and and it was funny because he was like god and everybody always wanted to respond to these calls because they knew they were going to see something cool but half the time you'd walk in and it wasn't a pleasant it's like yeah. sight to see <laughs> sneak peek to what's to come this episode is what i promised was going to come weeks earlier it is the kink deep dive with andrew i pulled him on and kink deep dives originally were supposed to be like short and sweet uh this one ended up being over 30 minutes but it's important stuff it's good stuff to talk about it's awesome stuff it's interesting stuff i think you guys are gonna love it it's bdsm talk it's kink talk i mean what's not to love honestly we are diving into what exactly sadism is what exactly masochism is, and in the sense of BDSM, how can you practice this safely? What are red flags to look out for? What are some experiences with this? What are some of the bad things that can happen? Unfortunately, real-life stories, etc., etc. Enjoy. (gasps) Ellie, what? Oh my god, you talked about sex? Do it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not that. <laughs> that was pretty good, though. Hey, guys. Ellie here. And, oh, my goodness, Andrew's here, too. So, hello, you sadistic fuck. How are you doing today? Awesome. How are you? <laughs> did your voice get lower after I called you a sadistic fuck? Hell, yeah. Yeah, it did. God, you're such a dork. We are here to finally do the kink deep dive, I promised, like, a long time ago, about... <laughs> sadism and masochism and you guys he's staring at me with evil in his eyes because i'm forcing him to do this so um rest in peace me after this episode but that's okay it'll be a lot of fun let's do it (laughs) so i think most people have a general idea about what both sadism and masochism are but what i don't think people understand is through the light of bdsm how they can be healthy how they can be done safely, and how they can be controlled, and how they can be like an actual thing without connecting mental health disorder with the word. Because actually, and this is kind of a warning for people, if you look up sadism and or masochism, all these articles are going to pop up online about how you have like a disease and you have a mental disorder. And I think that's actually kind of traumatizing in its own right because it starts making you wonder what's wrong with you when 
most people have at the very least in my opinion slight tendencies towards one or other or both so we're going to talk about those today so we're going to start with sadism and you're probably going to talk mostly about this one um I'm going to interject here and there, but I am going to give my personal Ellie Ray definition of sadism since I've been kind of starting this theme of like Ellie Ray handbooks and now I'm doing Ellie Ray definition. So let's do it. I kind of think about it as someone who gets pleasure and enjoys another person's pain. So I want to know what your definition is and then just like what it is. How would you describe it? Yeah, I think a lot of it depends on who you're having an interaction with because being a sadist for one person might mean different things than being a sadist for another interaction, right? You could have physical sadism, you could have emotional sadism or mental sadism, right? But overall, I think it would be either watching or giving someone pain and taking pleasure from it or providing a situation that is uncomfortable and then enjoying that kind of chaos and discomfort that comes from it or breaking out of someone's comfort zone and liking the reaction that comes from you breaking that comfort zone. All right, let's just jump straight into it. Why why would you like that? I think there's a couple different reasons. There's a lot of unhealthy reasons as well. Um, so like childhood abuse can be a big one that causes it later on in life. It's definitely something to watch for as someone who wants to be healthy sexually. Keep an eye out, especially when you're getting in new interactions with someone. Try and assess their motives. And if you can't, it's totally okay to have an adult conversation and be like, hey, I noticed that you like certain things about this dynamic. I'd love to know why. Evaluate if it's healthy. If it's not healthy, you're going to want to be asking yourself, do I really want to be in this kind of interaction with someone who's unhealthy? That can open a lot of other doors to trauma and harm and a lot of stuff. Um, Communication is the key, always. Communicate, communicate, communicate with your partner. Talk about what you like, why you like. Boundaries, safe words, all of that good stuff. But I think in my experience, and my experience is not the rule, it's just what I have to go off of as my own baseline, there can be a couple different things. There could be like hitting or slapping, or there could be overstimulation. There could be emotional stimulation from that. There could be mental stimulation. And all of those kind of play into me breaking someone's comfort zone and or causing discomfort. It might not necessarily be pain. It might only be discomfort. Or my goal at the moment might be pain. This is what we're going for. And I think a lot of as you know, someone who tries to approach this in a healthy way, a lot of the grab is that you're only doing it with someone who is on the same page as you, who is gaining pleasure from it. And while you're in that flow of connection, you can see that they're kind of enjoying it and they're getting off on it too. And if they're getting off on it, I'm getting off on it. And we're both getting off in this like crazy mirror <laughs> of power dynamics and pain and discomfort and it's awesome. And as a, as a dom, being able to manipulate and cultivate the situation is one of the biggest pulls of being a dom. And so when you're manipulating the circumstances, you decide when the pain or the pleasure happens. You're able to create a problem and then take it away. You're able to create pain and take it away. 
and all of these dynamics start to come into play and it, and it gets really enjoyable when the person is like super into it because they don't know what's coming next and you're ready to go and it's just a supercharged, very raw experience uh, that can be a lot of fun. Sounds like, at least for you, it all kind of come back to a power thing. Yeah, I mean, that's really what it is. Um, at the end of the day is you're deciding what happens to them. Is it pain? Is it pleasure? Who knows, right? We'll figure it out. Well, I would say even for me, I don't really consider myself much of a sadist, but I would say even for me, like, when I do have those moments, it's entirely a power thing, almost. Yeah. It's like, that's it's those feelings of, like, it's like a high yeah, of absolutely. feeling and power over somebody in that control. Absolutely. Um, it has a lot of, you know, fingers of topics that we could get into. But yeah, overall, that's that's just it. At its mm-hmm. at its core, is just me deciding the way a scene goes and having the freedom to give pain, or to give degradation, or to give a bit of emotional flair that we might not be able to do in vanilla sex or something that's a bit more on the mellow spectrum, um, and just watching how it plays out. You know, seeing for me personally, facial expressions are a big thing. And so watching someone's face as they're going through these things um, can be really fun and addictive because you're watching all this happen real time and you're seeing how they react to it. And if they're really getting off on it, it's just a, an awesome experience. Yeah, and I would say the majority of humanity at least has some sort of attraction to power and control, right? Absolutely. So you'd agree with that. So would you say that sadism is pretty common? How common do you think it is do you think most people at least have an inkling of it is this normal is it not normal i think sadism and control are really similar and it's it's difficult to say okay we've crossed the line from the control part and now we're into the sadism part um because a lot of it is is super related you know um i think all of us have these tendencies whether it's to be a bit more masochistic or to be a bit more sadist we all have them, you know, we watch sometimes. Funniest Home Videos or yeah, whatever yeah, is yeah. huge. You People might. love watching that kind of stuff. Like, even if you're not really considering it, we were having this conversation, I think, earlier today, how just about anything, including death, can always be construed in a funny way. Yeah, and it's part of that, you know, it might be as simple as watching your coworker being bewildered because you did some funny shit, or it might be, you know, something more like, wow, I, I, I loved her face when I did this. And the key for me, for me personally, is I love watching someone get off on the things that I can throw at them. You know, so if I am doing this, I'm experimenting, and you're really fucking digging it, what a great time, you know? Um, And that's really how it should be. At no point in time should you be sitting here in a scene and then look at your partner, whoever's with you, and be like, I genuinely think they are not enjoying themselves right now. Well, and I'll say from the other side, looking at a sadist, or at least, like, watching you when you kind of get into that flow, like, doesn't really matter if I'm enjoying it, so you can even, like, flip it. I find it so fascinating to see your expression. So you might be going for my expression, Mm -hmm. but, like, that, like, kind of reveling in the power, like, watching that, like, kind of overcome you is, like, intense to watch. And that's why I like it. So it's like this crazy swapping of experiences that is happening. Self-feeding cycle. Right, it's just a cycle. It just just goes over and and over and over. You guys will love it. 
It's, cra- <laughs> it's crazy how it works. So what, if, then I don't know if you have an answer for this, but what do you think are the biggest misconceptions about sadism? So for me, childhood trauma. Hmm. You know, many times if I bring up like, yeah, I might, I might be open to this sexually or I might want to do this or whatever, someone will be like, Wow, that might be kind of fucked up. What, what, you know, what's the motivating factor here? Were you, like, beaten as a child? No, right? The answer is just, I enjoy a variety of different sexual situations, and if... It's putting it lightly, loves. <laughs> if the person is enjoying it, and if they're getting off on it, I'm totally here for it. Or if you know they're going to enjoy it, like, directly afterwards, yeah, we're here for it. I think another big misconception is the lines between hurt and harm. And I think we might have talked about this before. Hurt would be like a small little red area of irritation that happens if I just whack you, right? So if I just, you know, palm on leg, just slap you. We don't have an you, example right now. And I just spanked your leg and it left a little red mark. That would be hurt, not harm. Because it's not causing any long-lasting problems you're not going to see it for, you know, a week later or even a day later. Um, it's just going to be a red mark. It'll go away, right? What harm is would be like a broken bone or a cut or a, a big bruise that, you know, is going to last for days. And I think healthy sadism in bed really airs more on the, the hurt side rather than the harm side. If you wake up the next day and there's marks all over or there's blood or some shit like that, like you're doing it wrong. Unless you have express consent from your partner implicitly stating, I specifically want this, don't do that. And for me, it's been an interesting journey to navigate because I've actually been with a partner who wants more than I'm willing to give. I So I guess to kind of end and finish out sadism... I've got kind of two different things, but mm-hmm. they can also be kind of like the same thing. How can it be done safely? Mm-hmm. Which you're like, I'm talking specifics, like within a scene, like what are some precautions you could take yeah. beyond the communication ahead of time? How can it be done safety? What is it safely? What does that look like? And then just like some actual examples and stories and stuff, sure. if you have any. Um, one thing I wanted to mention before this is that like on the more scientific side, I love sciencey stuff, so I'm always going to try and inject that whenever we have these conversations. On a more scientific side, um, watching someone be in pain, especially when it's pain that you have caused, activates different parts of your brain that normally you would never have activated, right? Because day to day, you drink your coffee, you go to work, you do your thing. That's not activated. You're not always causing pain in people or seeing pain in people. Right? We hope. Right. We, we would hope. One would hope. And so... <laughs> I don't know who listens to this podcast. True, 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 true. But you're not doing that every day, and so it activates different parts of your brain. And so your brain is like, huh, spooky. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> spooky! Yeah, because, I mean, shit, maybe uh, maybe I don't always get that. And it, it releases neurotransmitters that you normally might not get. And so it's kind of like, shit, uh, like maybe a hard reset or over time might become a bit addictive because you're not getting that. In other places of your life. Um, cool. So then with that being said, ways that I, your question was ways that I can, that we can do it safely. What does it actually look like? Like I want hard examples. I got you. Real life stories or just examples if you don't want to give real life stories. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's do it. 
So as a dom, one of the most important things that I've told people in the past is, you know, it's important to be able to enjoy yourself and be in that flow. But really, your job as a dom is you're the scene master here. You're the one that's kind of painting on this canvas. And so you need to be reevaluating and reevaluating and reevaluating the person that you're working with. Checking in with them, whether that be looking at them, making sure they're okay, or being like, hey, are you okay? Obviously, we've got the whole safe word thing. Uh, but beyond that, it's okay if done correctly in a scene to be like, hey, you're doing all right? Mm-hmm. That won't take anything away. Um, and I think a lot of times people think, if I check in on my person here, that's going to ruin the mood. And it won't. Because when you're in that intense of a situation, pausing and being like, hey, you're all right, right? Yes, I'm cool. Cool. Get back into it. That, you, will not, you won't remember that. You're going to remember everything else. But having that opportunity to just pause just for a second and being like, double checking, you can actually breathe, right? Or double checking, <laughs> you're good to go. Double checking, am I hurting your arm here? Is it overextending? Are we good? Cool. Um, that's really important. Um, and then also there's a difference between the way someone will act when they're enjoying the pain you're putting them through and the split second panic response that will happen when they go from enjoying it to worrying about their personal safety or not enjoying it. As I mentioned, I think I might have mentioned this with the choking thing, but when you're choking someone, if they reflexively put their hands on your hands, double check. Are you choking them correctly? Is this working the way it's supposed to work? Is this enjoyable for them? If they're having this knee-jerk response to you, chances are something is happening that's an indicator for you to be like, oh, shit, this is serious. I need to make sure that I reevaluate how we approach this. Um, so those, those keys, super important. Unfortunately, this is kind of one of those things where you don't really get a textbook. And as a dom... It's totally possible to go too far. And it's your responsibility, if you do, to make amends afterwards and be like, hey, I realize this went too far. I'm really sorry. I didn't catch that. I didn't know what to look for here. And I'm sorry about that. I had an interaction with someone in the past where I ended up triggering them for a a negative experience they had in the past. This happened about five years ago, I think, four years ago. And it affected them super psychologically because uh, we were no longer in a you know awesome kiki situation where I'm in control and you're really enjoying it. But it ended up turning into, shit, I'm back in this place getting abused. And that's not what we want. What we want is an enjoyable experience where we can both walk out of it and be like, we bonded, we loved it, we both came super hard. Or maybe I just came super hard, you know, depending on how it goes, right? Um, mm-hmm. But we really enjoyed it. And... It's a positive experience, right? But sometimes it's not. And it's your responsibility to make sure that you're caring for the mental health of the person that you're working with. Um, And it's really unfortunate. And because this whole arena is so taboo, it happens more than it should. Because people might not know. They might not be having those conversations. Uh, I sure as hell didn't, right? Um, It just comes with that experience. Let's see. Um, Another one. Yeah, so I was once, uh, I was choking someone with my arm, so different than a hand choking. Knee jerk, hands to my arm, cues me, cool, she's panicking. Lay off a little bit, cool, are you okay? Yes, I just didn't know what to expect here. This was different than hand choking, panicked for a little bit, I'm good to go now, let's try this again, cool. You know, back at it. But that's like that indicator, right? That's that, that primal, shit, am I okay? 
And that that is just uh, that was a communication thing. We didn't talk about how it might be different from hands, right? And so again, it all most of the time it will always boil down to adequate communication before, during, and after. Aftercare is a super big deal. When we're in these supercharged emotional states and sexual experiences, how you feel about the person during the scene might not be how you want to feel about them the rest of your life. And it's important to have a break and for both people to be like, cool, my job is to not abuse you as a dom and your job is to not be afraid of me. If this dynamic carries out the rest of our lives, we're going to hate it, right? This isn't something that we need to be like doing all the time. It's something that is very controlled. And so aftercare being like, hey, I'm here for you. Are you okay? Yes. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Having that break, having those conversations, relaxing, having time to cool off mentally before you jump right back into life is super important, especially on like a psychological and subconscious level because it helps your brain understand that it's over and that we're moving on. Um, and that's really important as well. Masochism. Ellie definition. Someone who gets pleasure from and enjoys their own pain. Would you define that differently? I think it could be, you know, on the flip side, enjoying that sense of limbo, that uncertainty of not knowing whether the pain or pleasure is coming. Giving that control over to someone else saying, hi, I now give you the control over my pain and pleasure for this amount of time could be really addicting um and it could be well yeah uh, that's just the vulnerability of it exactly yeah it opens you up vulnerability takes the pressure off lets you just kind of sit and relax in that flow and then i think it could also be like a bonding thing you know like your dom or with the person you're working with i want to be able to be vulnerable with you in that way i want to be in this state i want to experience you at this level that we otherwise probably wouldn't experience each other in. Um, so yeah, that's that's my two cents on that. Yeah. Interesting things about masochism. Just like you were talking about for sadism, there's also there's the physical side. So impact, play, and then there's also like the emotional or what they call moral masochism, which is something like verbal humiliation, right? And I think I talked about humiliation in a previous episode that you guys should all go check out if you have not. But you can have one and not the other, or you can have both. And so basically, like in my experience, I used to be much more of a physical masochist than I am now. And there are multiple reasons for that. But nowadays, like I'm much more of just um, an emotional or moral masochist than I am a physical masochist. Now, that being said, like I said, how I used to be one and then more the other now these things can change super and, dynamic yeah. yeah they they ebb and flow throughout your life so at one point you might find yourself enjoying more of that impact play in other times and it, it comes and goes and that's okay that's normal that's healthy you shouldn't be making yourself go through something you're not actually enjoying so if you find yourself hey you know what i remember enjoying this i know i have in the past but i'm just not anymore that's okay. You can be honest with yourself about that and you can have those conversations with your partners and you can change up what you're doing. There's nothing wrong with you. There's always things you can be trying out and doing things. It's not like suddenly your sex life is going to be boring now. There's all sorts of different things you can do. So just be aware of that, be ready for that and be open to that because those changes will happen because everything in your life changes. Like I was saying earlier, it's 
not necessarily a mental health disorder to be a masochist or to have masochistic tendencies. It can very quickly turn into something unhealthy, which is something I'm kind of curious to hear what you have to say about it. Something I wanted to ask you was personal rules and lines as a sadist that if you that you will not cross for a masochist if they request they want something or even just like red flags in a partner who has those masochist masochistic tendencies from your side yeah personal boundaries typically so there's a difference between insulting someone in a sexual sense and insulting someone the way that they are or something about them that you know they're sensitive about or you know whatever it is um you might be you might enjoy being called a dirty slut but you might not be in you know enjoy being called a fat pig right um and that's something you have to talk about with your partner mm-hmm. right because when you're in that flow or when you're trying to figure stuff out you might be like yo this this might work and then it, they might be like what the fuck why would you say that instantly the scene is ruined right um and so you kind of have to evaluate what am I what am I willing to insult here? What am I willing to do? Being someone who is a big fan of the science and medical side, my boundaries also are like super careful with like the eyes, the throat, you know, the lungs, uh, if you're tying up nerve centers and, and veins, stuff like that. Stuff that's really important to know. So like I said, so as I was talking about earlier, you don't harm your partner. That's priority number one. Priority number one is their safety and yours, right? Um, And so the boundaries that I have coincide with that. I'm not going to be using any tools that are dangerous, um, which is a big one for me. If I'm using like a whip or a paddle or a belt, those are relatively safe because no real harm is going to come from those unless you really try, right? As opposed to a knife or a brand or a gun, right? And we're talking about these things like, oh my God, like, you know, making a face like, wow, that's a, that's a little extreme, but it happens. So red flags would be if someone is like, put a knife to my throat or something where you could actually harm them. That's a big red flag because if you are playing into that, what are the psychological motivators here, right? There's a difference between a little bit of friendly CNC and, you know, put a gun to my head, right? So those are boundaries, right? I feel um, like there have to be red flags before you get to that point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then, you know, like, if as the person who's providing the pain here, if you are pretty satisfied with what you've just done, and they're like, keep going, and you're like, you know, I don't think this needs to continue. I think I'm pretty satisfied. I think you're pretty satisfied. I don't think this needs to continue. If they're looking to be beaten, that's a red flag, right? That's not the goal here. The goal isn't to provide harm. The goal isn't to be an abuser here. That's not the goal. The goal is to provide a sexually charged situation, which I'm in control and you're getting off on it, right? The goal isn't to help someone relive whatever stuff they've been through. Let's see. Another red flag is if someone starts like obsessing over that behavior outside of a scene so if they're texting you on a database day-to-day basis and they're like you know call me worthless or do this or do that and they're really starting to obsess over it you know the goal here isn't to get obsessed and think about this all the time the goal is to have a healthy release in a charged sexual circumstance where we can all enjoy ourselves have a release and move on right it's not a lifestyle 
And unless everyone is interested in it being a lifestyle, we don't want that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, because there's a difference between a great scene and just on and on and on, right? Other boundaries I have um, for like a more sadistic scene, I'm very wary with crying. Um, the moment your person starts to cry, you're going to need to reevaluate. If you talk to them, you're like, hey, are you okay? I'm noticing a little tear here. Yeah, I'm good. Cool, cool. If they start sobbing, for me, things start becoming less enjoyable if I'm making my person cry. And if it's sobbing, even worse, right? I'm not here to, to make you feel this way. I'm here for something else, right? Um, so unless I specifically have a conversation where they tell me, if I start crying, it's not a big deal. I'm just really getting into it. I'm emotionally charged. And, you know, this is just emotions happening. Cool. I've actually been in that situation before where I had that conversation before. She started crying, but I knew it wasn't a big deal. And so I wasn't as worried. And then I did a check-in when she started crying. I was like, hey, are you okay? She's nodding through sniffles like, yes, I'm doing all right. It's just a super emotionally charged situation. I'm loving this. Please continue. Don't worry about it. And we're like, cool. We continue, right? But... You really got to remember, you know, what are your goals here? Is it to make your partner cry? Probably not, right? Um, another thing to consider when you're doing these scenes is what's around. Can people hear you? Do they understand the conversations that you've had about consent and stuff like that? Especially if you are in a traditional relationship where you have a guy and a girl. For someone who's a bystander, will they interpret this as domestic violence or abuse? If the answer is yes... Maybe do it somewhere else. Or if it's a neighbor or something, depending on how you guys are, be like, hey, don't worry about it. We've talked about it. You know, address it. That's okay. It's better for you to have a somewhat awkward conversation with your neighbor and be like, hey, just so you know, um, we're into some stuff. It's all right. We have these conversations. Everything is okay. Then for them to call the cops on you. Um, so you just got to, you know, be smart with, with what's happening around. If you're doing it in a hotel, that's a whole nother ball game. Be smart. Be careful have those conversations with the with your partner your roommates especially you know I, you know it might not be your neighbor it might just be your roommates it might be way more chill to tell your roommate like yeah i'm kind of into some freaky shit don't stress about it yeah <laughs> um and especially you know especially if you've got roommates or you know live with your parents or whatever it is be smart you know um not only will it keep you out of hot water but also It'll help you psychologically if there's less stuff going on, especially for someone who's in that subspace. Not having stuff going on is a, is a great thing. So. Yeah. The only like note I have left is just any other tips and advice for healthy satisfaction via BDSM for sadistic and masochistic tendencies. Final tips yeah. for this kink deep dive. Communicate. Orgasm comes second. If you're in a scene as a dom and you're super focused on the orgasm or you coming, that's going to kind of distort the scene. It might make it less enjoyable because you're so worried about coming that you're less worried about, is my partner enjoying this? Am I saying the right things? Am I cultivating a good headspace here? Or am I just worried about coming? A huge takeaway that... I think has become obvious just listening to you talking throughout this that maybe I wasn't thinking about earlier is literally as so long as you are in control and aware enough throughout the scene that you can literally like be monitoring your partner and stopping it at any point in time doesn't matter how like 
pleasure driven you are at the moment if you can stop it at any point in time to do a check-in then it is likely very safe yes um or healthy you know like if you're in a scene you're getting really into it you know your partner's loving it and you're like oh my god this is great i'm getting off life is good and then you're almost gonna get there and you something happens it kind of is off you're on the teetering edge and then it starts to fall off your partner's not enjoying it and you're like ah but i still really want to come it's very easy in that moment to be like you know what we're gonna push it i'm gonna come and then we'll talk about it afterwards but don't instead be an adult realize that coming comes second orgasm comes second both for you and your partner and also it's important to note if you are the masochist in this scene something he was talking about earlier was that for the dom for the sadist it's important that you're enjoying yourself too and so it can be harder as the bottom as the masochist as somebody who's enjoying that kind of things those kind of things to stop it to admit it's going too far to admit even to yourself that it's going too far but the bottom line is nobody here is having a happy, safe, pleasurable time if you let it go too far. And, you, I mean, they, they can watch your body language. They can watch your facial expressions. They can check in with you. But when it comes down to it, it's all about the conversations you had before and how you're doing. And it's up to you to stop it. If you know and you, you know in a moment that, like, you need it to stop, you have to actually speak up. And... You might be listening and be like, yeah, that's obvious. But when you're in the moment, it's Mm -hmm. a lot harder. And it's not going to be happy, especially afterwards, for anyone involved, especially someone if they think that they hurt you when they were just trying to give you a good time. They're trusting you to stop it if you need to stop it. I mean, there's, there's trust going both ways. You're trusting them not to go too far or not to break any of those lines you talked about before. They're also trusting you that everything is within what you want and that you will stop it if they go too far. Yep. And just like she said, talking about it here and now, you're like, yeah, that totally makes sense. But in the moment, you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, just 10 more seconds and I'm going to come super hard. But that that might not be what your partner needs. What they might need is, hey, are you okay? No, I'm not. Cool. Let's back off. What's going on? Are you okay? You need me to address this? Do we need to stop and have a conversation, right? And as the bottom, you might be looking at your your partner being like, just a little bit longer, I can handle this mm-hmm. until they, you know, get off. And then I'll talk about it. But God, really, it's so, so easy to do. Yeah. Even even if you don't have the like super strong masochistic tendencies, that's easy to do even in vanilla sex. Hey, you know what? Some, your hormones are off. Something isn't right. Even in those super vanilla situations, it can be easy to just be like, well, I mean, it's only going to be a couple more seconds. But when it comes down to it, that's ruining your experience. That's going to get away, get in the way of like any future sexual experiences that you have with them. And these can easily compound and build on each other to the point where suddenly you realize you resent that person and you no longer want these experiences with them. And now you have tons of therapy ahead of you because you have to work through all of this shit. So it's just it's really never worth it. Nope. Nope. Would you rather hours of aftercare or, you know, just jacking off later or whatever it is, right? Like, that's okay. Also, another thing, pets don't know what's going on, right? Oh, God. Especially with, with, like, the stereotypical dog and cat. You would be surprised how defensive a dog or cat gets Mm -hmm. about their owner. Be smart. 
with where your pet is when you're doing this. If you're moaning and squealing and crying and weeping and gnashing of teeth, your pet's probably going to be like, what the fuck is happening? And that's not fun for them either. So, like, figure it out. Figure it out. Because um, that's, a, that's a big thing, especially when you're naked. You don't really want to be fighting with someone's dog or whatever, right? So. That is all I have for you guys with my guest and partner Andrew on but I realized as I was editing the episode that I missed a very important question and I'm going to try and address that now which is you might have found yourself if you've never engaged in this type of stuff wondering why on the fucking planet would somebody actually want to experience pain or how do they enjoy pain how is that a pleasurable experience for them and so there's a couple different answers for this question there's the physical side and then there's also psychological side the physical side is so much within the brain one of my favorite quotes ever there's a fine line between pleasure and pain and that i mean comes from 50 shades of gray unfortunately but it's actually scientifically true and the reason for that is research has shown that pleasure and pain activate the same neural mechanisms in the brain so they both are triggering the same parts of the brain the reward chemicals of the brain are and like where all of those opioid systems and dopamine systems that those regulate the neurotransmitters right and so you're getting all of these chemicals flowing in the brain when you experience pleasure and you're also getting those when you experience pain and obviously there's a difference between how you go through the experience of receiving these and that's kind of where the line crosses from physical to now we're talking psychological and that has so much to do with it right so the psychological benefits or the psychological experiences and your emotions when you're getting that pain are so important okay what's so interesting it's so dependent on the context of the pain. If you just cut yourself in the kitchen slicing vegetables, your brain, your psychological and emotional state is completely different than when it's done in a sexual way with a partner. When you are experiencing positive emotions, when you're in a good emotional state and you experience physical pain, the sense of the pain that what you're experiencing actually decreases and when you're with a trusted partner and those positive emotions sexual situation is flowing and you're happy getting spanked or whatever is or whatever that impact play you are doing or whatever kind of pain you're receiving is actually slightly decreased but you're getting those chemicals from the pleasures so that fine line is is happening Finally, the last thing I'm going to mention is that it builds a bond. There's actually a study, hormonal changes and couple bonding in consensual sadomasochistic activity. And so this study, it was done all the way back in 2009, right? But what they found is that bonds between people and the trust, the emotional trust between people builds when you engage in consensual sadomasochism so when you're having those experiences with people when you're choosing it 
all of the psychological and contextual elements into play is extraordinarily bonding. And they have found this actually pretty consistently in their studies of people who engage in BDSM and these types of plays. So I just wanted to cover that really quickly. It was a little choppy. I'm, I'm not a medical professional at all. And um, everything I learn is just off of research on my laptop. So um, I'm not trying to claim to be an expert, but I did really want to cover that because if you don't understand these things, it can sound horrible like why why would you want somebody that you love and loves you why would you want them to hurt you that's horrible that's fucked up what's wrong with you that is silly that's just um being naive right and that's something that more people need to understand before jumping to conclusions and of course I also want to mention there are negative effects of getting into this high so I've heard it compared to some like runner's high so those emotions that you feel after you went on a run you know you're hurting yourself on a run (laughs) I mean if you're me anyway um so that high you get after a run that's a comparative to the high you can get when you're engaging in um sadist slash masochistic play with a partner right it's those chemicals flowing in the brain reward chemicals all of that kind of stuff just it's a high but what comes after that can be also very intense so if you've ever heard in the community somebody talk about something called a sub drop that is when somebody was just in a really intense scene and they have an emotional crash this is when aftercare is so fucking important Okay, so this is like, this is considered one of those like side effects or negative effects of this kind of play in these kind of super, super intense scenes. This can happen right after a scene and it can also, it could also wait and it could also happen days after. Now, I personally have never experienced something like this happen days after, but I have read and I have seen people say that definitely it definitely can happen i hope you guys enjoyed this episode i know it's a long one i heavily considered breaking into two but decided not to i didn't want to look like i was cheating so if you have not definitely go follow the podcast instagram at sugarpusspod also instagram has been kind of shitty so we're kind of switching our focus over to twitter if you have twitter definitely give us a follow interact with us there we'd love that uh if you want to talk to me personally dm me at ellie sugar ray on instagram that's the best way to contact me ask me questions get advice talk about a sugar relationship failure if you don't have anybody to talk about that stuff with i'm always there to engage with you all of that good stuff leave me a review on apple podcasts if you are so generous i would love that and i will see you guys next week thank you for tuning in <laughs>